0: You are listening to PBE Daily, the early mornings and late night podcast. My name is Point Blank Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode and for also supporting the podcast by constantly coming back and listening to that which I've been researching and taking time to wrap my head around. I woke up on a good note and on a good tone, so I figured that the best way to go is actually put something together that has been Um, a topic that's been gnawing at me for the last couple of weeks I figured it would be the perfect way to go at it because even in the initial stages when I thought about making an episode about this I'd always pause and rethink if it's possible to actually get objective in that which I speak because sometimes I get excessively passionate about the topic I'm speaking on and I, I, I ramble excessively and in this case I would like to actually try as much as possible to be objective in that which I speak. In this episode I'm going to touch on a topic that has been one of those we know it exists and we don't know how we could actually compete in the perfect way as far as that particular competition is concerned and here's what I'm talking about. There's always the no, the in the back of our minds the idea that the game is rigged and we don't know who is on our side in the game and to what extent the game is going to work to our advantage. And because these are some of the thoughts that we actually have in regards to what it is to try and be successful, what it is to try and be uh, in, in a position of actual flourishing successes I figured I'd probably touch on this in a, in a way of how I have found my personal comfort or my personal tactic of surviving in this particular world that we live in. And the, the state is, because the game is rigged, I kind of have found a way to be comfortable with that fact because if there's one thing you cannot beat, as far as even if you fidget, fidget up the numbers, you cannot beat quality of work. That's always been my thinking because as much as possible there's always been the idea that we we think that talent is enough but I think talent is, is a tool that needs fuel, and in that case the fuel that it requires is it requires to constantly be polished, it requires to constantly be put into use, it requires to constantly be put into action, it requires to constantly be put into challenge and I've always pushed myself to try as much as possible to be the best if not uh, the irrefutable champion of that which I'm good at, be it hosting of events be it uh, my artwork, be it the animations that I've been working on and I've always said uh, that Body of work is the only proof you could actually give to the industry in order for them to actually speak from a position of saying, well, I feel you're right or I feel you're wrong. And by putting that, I'd like to say this. I've been seeing these videos that have been popping up, and not only have I seen it on uh, shows on Netflix or on on YouTube being put together, but it's always been the argument about the the top 1%. And whenever I think about the top 1%, I I realize that in certain... In every country, I believe, there is those individuals who have either made compromises that hurt the people of their own world in order for them to stay wealthy, or they have made a great, a great deal of painful decisions that have hurt not only their country their their country's economies but it's all because they would like to end up being the guys who are top dog and being at the very top of the food chain in their particular countries and whenever I think about these particular arguments I always, I, I find fault in what they say but I also seem to understand where that comes from and I, I, I become torn in that particular case and by that I mean this Ever since I was a kid, whenever uh, we'd got time to get to finding something interesting to maybe sink my teeth into, it wasn't really about uh, adventure stories or anything. It's like the whole idea of a conspiracy. Like there's always this plot that happens. And when the plot thickens, I get even more curious. And when I think about that, it made me now revisit this whole idea of think about how there are certain families that have controlled economies and stuff like that. And whenever I try... Uh, understand how best to serve myself, and not only to serve myself, but to serve the people who actually work with me in whatever industries I'm in, first thought I think about is, well, let's, let's put into perspective the whole idea of how certain countries in the world ended up being what they were. And whenever I think about that, I think about the Gold Shield family, or the Rothschild family, if you will. And I know by dropping that name already, I have people thinking that this is going to be one of those conspiracy type things but okay let me tell you how i ran through that particular conspiracy let's get it from the pbe daily perspective okay now that family used to be money lenders outside of being the company that was actually making gold coins for a lot of aristocracy at the time on the royal families that existed in that century which is very very far back this is way before napoleon even was nominated to become a potential leader of france again before napoleon was nominated to become leader of france if i hadn't stated it before let me state it now there was a shortlist, and in that shortlist, the aristocrats who actually had the money to fund whatever leader they could have in the country chose a leader who was charismatic and loved by the people and the first person that came to mind was one of three generals and that was napoleon and it was only because he had the people's imagination he People felt like he was one of them, even though he's not really a child of France, his brothers a satellite state of France, but that's neither here nor there. If there are people who have the power and potential to actually put into perspective what power is or put power into your hand, be very aware that they're going to do the very same thing to try as much as possible to get themselves to be in the perfect position to actually po- benefit or profit from that which is the power therein. Now, that's just one character in the long stream of stories as far as what could potentially happen in. Um, a state being controlled by all that, but now the gold, the Gold Shield family or the Rothschild family, when Napoleon was beginning to make his expansions and everything, there was concern as far as what kind of trades could be done in the different uh, states that actually were in leadership and all that. And when he w- at first was taken to to exile and all that, and he was imprisoned in this island of Elba, when he came back from the island of Elba in and try- trying to take over power, one of the members of this family actually stayed informed and appraised of information as far as what was happening in the front lines. And it was the front lines of Waterloo. And the Battle of Waterloo, when he lost, this guy allegedly told the people of, of, of uh, London that, yo, this guy's won, so we're in trouble, because he's going to come take over London this time. We have to be very careful about that. And this guy had people selling off their stocks, selling off their properties, pennies on the dollar. And this guy, when the when the truth finally came out, he, he owned very a very great amount of the real estate that was the banking system and the trading systems and even properties in London. And when you owned London town in those days, you probably controlled the world as it is. Because America was still coming of age, it was coming of fruition at that time also. Now, when you think about that, and I always think about why certain economies are acting the way they're acting. Like, for example, the Kenyan economy, we've been suffering a great deal. And the thing that concerns me about the Kenyan economy is this. I feel like when all this is said and done, the leadership uh, and the powers that be are taking advantage of the fact that the economy is going down the tubes. And no one is being told about how far down the tubes they're going. And they're going to buy out a lot of things from the Kenyan people and the Kenyan populace as far as pennies on the dollar. And this is why it feels as if I'm getting into a conspiracy bag. Because there's no way the top 1% do not make a profit when it comes to watching a people lose the money that they're supposed to potentially own or earn or they're not enjoying the spoils of war by telling people that things are okay and keeping this optimistic idea in the fore and then picking them off one by one when they default on their loans and they default on their properties and they end up being evicted and they end up becoming uh used people because this is the thing i i get I, i firmly believe as far as the the current state of global economies people are being picked off one by one and leadership globally is up for grabs and the people who are constantly thinking that it's it's all based upon how well you could actually adapt and compete in these particular levels well i'm kind of in the thinking of also competing that's my thinking because in many cases the state of the time or the zeitgeist of what stands right now everything is thick the best thing we could do is adapt accordingly and find a way to actually if not sustain a living be able to make a degree of potential future wealth or if not future wealth or a potential future fighting chance because it's one thing to say i want to have future wealth but it's completely another when you say like okay i won't be a multi-millionaire or anything like that but i will have the fighting chance or i will make it possible for those who are my next of kin to have a fighting chance and that's all we are really hoping for Personally, my, my greatest hope is to even be in a position where I can make it possible for not only myself but also for my nephews and nieces to have at least a, the, a leg in the room or or even just a mention in the room because when it comes to how I, w- I would like to be perceived in the future and how I'd like to be successful in the future, is my, 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 my whole agenda is I'd like to make stuff come to life that would be of great value to me to the extent of, of giving me the fighting chance to actually potentially do what I can in the room. Let's put it this way. Let me let me, let me try to clarify on that particular thought. When I came into the idea of wanting to do art, I realized very, very quickly that the people who actually work in the art industry at the time when I was joining were suffering the repercussions of the fact that not very many people wanted them to be in there because, well, you young guys have a better opportunity to actually profit from that which is the art industry at a specific moment and the only reason you are able to even be allowed to compete is because well these guys by the time it was conducive for them to be able to make a profit or even earn a living to have a family they, they were already past their 30s and getting into their 40s and now here comes these young upstarts and these young upstarts are making it impossible for them to be able to earn a living at that time and I was telling this to a friend of mine uh, yesterday. The big problem for most guys when it comes to how age is always a factor you cannot argue with you cannot compete with is it's undeniable or irrefutable that you're going to reach a point in your life where you cannot really... um, fight the inevitability that you are not the dude or you're not going to be the man of the hour forever like it's an hour (laughs) and that hour you have to use it for the best abilities that you can so a lot of times when it came to me getting into the industries that i'm working in there was resistance from the guys who are in the room already and it's only because they haven't gotten the chance to actually make a living or make enough of an impact to actually earn more so they start barring the next guy from coming in and the first thing I did in order to be able to compete, because we are actually talking about competition in this podcast, I started asking myself, well, what's the one thing they cannot stop me from being able to access? And when I say what's the one thing they can't can't stop me from being able to access is the opportunity to look better than them or to even do work that is better than their work. And by doing so, me... And even subconsciously, even with my peers did the same thing. We'd learn that which was the next wave that was supposed to come or learn that which was going to be the next tool that makes work even faster or even easier. And then we looked at each other's quality of work and we said, okay, okay, so that's where the weaknesses they have. Let me find out the weaknesses of mine that are similar to that and polish mine to make them even better. So then I'm able to even be even in the room even longer. Because as much as... Um, it, it it's not as easy to access meritocracy. Meritocracy is still possible to achieve. And in my case, I've always been able to make it in the room and prove myself by actually putting in the work. And when the work is done, it's up to the person I've done the work for to decide if they want be back in the room or not. And in many cases, because of affiliations, in certain cases, those people who are affiliated will get more opportunities in those rooms. And because they'll get opportunities in those rooms, they end up becoming the guys who actually hold the the mantles of power. And even though they're not the best in those particular rooms, I always make it possible for them to even consider that, okay, sometimes the guy at the top doesn't have to do all the work he needs somebody at the bottom to actually do all the heavy lifting and I'd like to be the person who, at the bottom who they make that first phone call to. Now I know by saying on the bottom it it makes me look like I'm always um, playing myself down or things like that but it's not that I'm trying to humble myself by speaking in this particular way, but I'm a guy who is rooted to the tutor. I'd like to know the inner workings of a particular tool, and I'd like to know the inner workings of a particular way of doing things because it gives you more longevity in the particular game or in the particular uh, workspace. Like, I was asked by a, a mutual friend, and I think I hinted on it in a previous podcast, I was asked how come I don't make as often phone calls to them in search of work or in search of opportunities to do certain work. And when I was answering the question, it, it, it did me like an epiphany because I also realized at that moment that I'm as I'm saying it out loud that this is what was, was actual fact. I don't seek out to get work because I'm always working. And when I say that, I mean this. I have properties of mine that I'm creating born of my ideas and I'd like to have those ideas come to life. And sometimes being pulled away from my work desk to work on other people's work is a distraction from the work i already have and i think that's one thing that actually sets most people apart as far as when it comes to talent because there's people who have talent and they're constantly going to be in the field doing the game doing the work doing and everything and one of these artists actually mentioned him in i did a whole podcast that was inspired by him um russ this rapper is one of like the most fast-growing and fast-inspiring cats out there, he makes his own music, he produces his own music, he writes his own lyrics and he puts it out and he independently owns 100% of that which he creates, so he's the fastest rising multi-millionaire Forbes list uh, achieving artist ever and he's only I think 25? 24, 25 I'm not really sure But the tenacity he has and how he comes off to most people, he comes off as arrogant and people take offense to that. And I I find it stupid because the world is an arrogant space. To try to find a liberal existence and be comfortable with people around the world is actually one of the most naive ways to face the world. And I think it's why people actually are not facing facts when it comes to what is the inevitable and what is actual fact. The guys who have the ability to read between the lines and be blunt to not only themselves but to the world are the guys who survive that which is disappointment. You come ready for whatever is going to happen because you already know that the room does not like your energy. And the moment you already know that, you compete by actually being able to know how do I navigate these liberal feelings to get my right to do things happening marinate on that for a second because i'm telling you the the whole idea of wanting everyone to see things your way and to toe the line is what is making it possible for the guys who are hardcore here for playing for self and self alone to be successful because while we're too busy bickering to each other about how the world is not a fair place the person who's making it unfair continues to move the pieces in the chessboard your emotions shouldn't be involved in that which is the corporate world. Your emotions shouldn't be involved in that which is the, uh, the 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 project world because you want to get the commission to do the work, but you're still complaining about how, to what extent, your feelings are going to be taken care of. We we all want to picket in the streets because you want to be want our lives to mean something, and the problem with that is you can't have a life that means something if you're too busy fighting that which is the game that is being played, and you. The 1% do not care what your feelings are. They care to what extent you're of value to them. And when it comes to that, it becomes now a slippery slope because to what extent are you going to compromise and end up becoming an enemy of that which is where you are at the moment? By any means necessary, you want to make it into a room and you want to not worry about how people perceive you and how people um, take you in life thereafter and the legacy thereafter. But you see, I've always had this thinking of thinking about the people who built the United States of America as far as the age of industry is concerned. They knew the materials they were were using was actually going to be bad for the health of those who are actually mining the materials and actually making the industries come to life. Same same case in London. Like when London was going through its industrial age, they had black smoke all over the place. Because I've always been asking myself, why does... All the, all the movies of, of the industrial age of London always have this mucky black existence but then again you think about how much oil was and, and co- how much coal was actually floating in the air and how many, how much was, of it was actually being seen in the environment and you barely had a white shirt in those periods I believe and the guys who actually were making money and profits from that were staying in the mountains where, the, where their shirts could actually stay white and they were there for the 1% and the blue collar guy and the guy who had, had the actual uh, coal dust stuck in his, in his throat or stuck in his lungs and stuck in his clothes that's the guy who's trying as much as possible to make it to the lands of the next man and sometimes we think the only way we could actually access that is marrying into such positions of power and marrying those who belong to aristocracy and i remember seeing those stories and seeing those movies of people who are considered young upstarts because they end up being betrothed or married to people in the one percent but The people who in the 1% always suffer this one problem because they've made it up there and they've made it so comfortable for the kids that they have to be in that 1%. Their kids end up not really realizing what the rest of the world is doing in the 99%. And their curiosity either leads them to come down and, okay, come down from on high because some of them are very conscious of the fact that they're on high and they decide to mock those who are underneath their feet. And I say that in quotes. And the first thing they think is, okay, let's bring fashion to these people. Let's bring elegance to these people. And they find it fascinating to watch to what extent we actually put the grind in perspective and to what extent we actually take our hustles seriously. And when I think about that, I always think about the whole idea of it is just mockery to me. But I don't mind that aristocracy raise their families the way they raise their families. All I'm saying is, I'm going to make it possible for not only myself, but those who come after me or are related to me to be able to access those rooms and take over those rooms because the 1% can only last for so long. You can control the wealth of a particular period of time for as long as you can, but then we all know what you guys do. you probably turn it into something that turns into charity because until they figure out a solution for death, you're gonna be stuck with the rest of us down here for a little longer but i'm always a person who believes in competition is going to exist and competition is always going to be key so i will compete for as long as i possibly can and the one percent does not scare me it doesn't intimidate me it doesn't shock me it's just one of those things that exists and are a perfect marker for inspiration because as much as i'd like the game to be equal i also don't want it to be equal Show me a target worth fighting for and I will fight towards it because of what good is it for us to be the same and on the same level? What is the goal in the end of the, of the of life? Because we, we need to have a reason for medals to be put up and accolades to be put up. Say it with me. Be Caesar or be nothing at all. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. Until next time, no.